0: Same. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of in Perspective. This is Rob Grokow. As always, it's good to be back for this episode. I'd love your feedback because Jules and I tried something different. More like Jules started talking at me and then I had to scramble to hit record. So I just dished up exactly the conversation that we had, which happened to be about a combination of AFL, gambling, and Mindfulness. You tell me exactly how we linked those things together. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can let me know on the Hidden Perspective Instagram page, which is in the show notes. or just let me know in the YouTube comments. That'd be great. Other than that, I hope you enjoy the episode. I think they're all insane. Neither your club nor mine have won a premiership in a long time. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, we haven't won a premiership. We haven't won anything in a long time. Listen, it hasn't even won a final for a very long time. But anyway, James Heard talking to Shane Crawford, actually very interesting discussion around mental health and a very interesting story because, you know, if people don't know anything about James Heard, basically imagine an athlete who's basically as universally celebrated as an athlete like could be. And then imagine a coach that is the most hated. (laughs) Uh, possibly you know and like it's a very interesting um narrative and so he's he's got a very unique perspective on life because he when he was 40 years old he's probably most people would be very proud of themselves if they were james third at 40 years old happy family super well educated legendary afl career (laughs) All the rest of it. Then, you know, then he goes through this crazy drug saga and you can get into debates about how responsible he was, but I think it's clear that he wasn't uh, deliberately cheating. But anyway, the point is, even if he did cheat, he's had a unique perspective on achievement. And what when he spoke about um, the fact that he's, you know, had to go to hospital because he was trying Indeed. to kill himself and yeah. he tried to kill himself twice- he spoke about the process of getting better and when what he spoke about was how he lived in such a context of achieving and winning, getting yep. back from injury, all these kinds of things.
0: Yeah.
1: He couldn't understand a way of making his life better that didn't involve these external achievements. Mm. So he's fucked everything. He's fucked the football club, he's fucked his family, he's whatever. He's uh he's like to get better, I've got to like now. I've got to find a next job to like dominate in. I've got to find another field to excel in. But and then eventually, you know that that approach led him to attempting on his life. Whereas he started to make changes, and I think part of what he spoke about was mindfulness. But I think that's just just an aspect of it. But this idea of feeling good on the inside and and sort of your and setting like in, inherent satisfaction rather than an achievement basis. And anyway, I think James heard maybe in two three four five years he could be potentially a very good um, mental health advocate you know which mm. um, and that's why it's worth watching that interview because you know if you've gone through difficult times um, uh, hearing someone like that talk about um, ups and downs is very very interesting because you know James Herd definitely knows ups and downs <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where was the interview recorded it's on youtube so it's shane shane crawford and james it's for yeah i think shane shane crawford was maybe doing a set of interviews with people about mm. about health um and health struggles and stuff and mm. they had a, they had a pretty good relationship and yeah so i think it's pretty much the first time james yeah. has actually spoken spoken about any of these things so
0: yeah it's interesting yeah. i I think my dad shared me about about a year ago. I think I shared it with you. With you and uh with you and Stefan. It was a a Triple M recording. It was uh Gary Lyon and uh Spud Frawley. They were interviewing with some uh, I don't know what they call like um, it was a psychologist slash Like performance coach slash had been like a big rep for Nike and had like managed managed athletes or like managed some of Nike's top athletes and got into some really deep conversation about spirituality, mental health. Mindfulness basically on Triple M. And the interview was great. It was, you know, a a really engaging interview. I'd never seen like Gary Lyon or, um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was Spud Frawley. So kind of serious and kind of sensitive and in touch with that stuff. But the lines were blowing up. It just went absolutely nuts. And I think it's a really interesting statement on how, you know, like sport caters towards masculine man uh doesn't really talk about this stuff could be something that unlocks a lot of value for that space, making those conversations n- normalized and sport has that lever for sure
1: yeah i mean i I was drawn to uh think of the child in me that idolized James Hurd as you know an, an ultimate hero and you know related to. Ideas around courage and James Heard coming back from injury, putting his head over the ball. Awesome stories. And then having the opportunity to see that that same individual is able to actually, at this point, make a serious comeback in his health Mm. and in his family life and moving on with life after losing so much and going through so much, he's still, he's still acting as a hero, you know, but you're seeing this other side to the narrative, yeah, which is, you know, this important growth that happens in probably accepting feelings and talking about serious and fucked things and crying a bunch and, you know, all this kind of stuff that, you know, so, but yeah. It's interesting. I think. I think it's also very easy to stigmatize sport for its hyper-expressed qualities, and um, like I think sports generally pretty awesome. And I think there's a lot of a lot of things. There's a lot of athletes that cry a lot. You know, you look at Roger Federer. Yeah, think of that. <laughs> How often he will just break down and start crying and stuff. So I, I think, and the reason why some of these sports people are so good is because they're vulnerable and expressive and daring. You
0: know, yeah. James
1: heard was a was a daring player, probably you know, maybe too daring as a coach. I don't know, but
0: well, I think yeah. it was uh, Richmond when they when they won their first premiership the last in this this um, reign, whatever you want to call it. When was that? Twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Yeah, they there's an article where dustin martin credits you know the the huge success of richmond just solely to mindfulness i think they're one of the first clubs to to really bring that in and that's been has been happening across across the world more and more but as soon as you take away as soon as you take away the filter the you you know what other people think how am i performing relative to past performance how am i performing to other types like it it just makes it so much easier to people call it flow state people call it um getting in the zone whatever it is but there's no denying that's that's a huge part of it
1: yeah it's super it's super interesting and i think the same could be said of high performance generally high performance in business high performance in, in music. Yeah. It's all starting to be looked at and discussed through this prism of of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And there's this really intense tension, in my view, between an achievement focus and an achievement perspective and mindfulness. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think Yeah, what do you mean I by don't, that? I don't think that's often very well reconciled. So I think a lot of mindfulness practice and I think defining what mindfulness means is difficult and complicated. So if you, you know, you have to accept we're using labels to describe experiences and we're sort of also using labels to describe things like infinity and stuff. And so when you're dealing with concepts, it is difficult. So, um, yeah. You know, someone like Sam Harris has probably spent, you know, hours and hours just talking about what the definition of something like mindfulness is, you know, so it's, it's, we are talking about something that's really difficult to contain, but say if we talk about the mindfulness, it's basically like meditations, breathing, sort of yoga. Um, you know, maybe we can include there, you know, some of this being vulnerable with your feelings and stuff, make it a bit broader, how you want to describe it. This whole, this kind of mindfulness movement. A lot of it's about letting go. A lot of of it is about um, quietening down the mind, Mm -hmm. not overthinking things. A lot of it is about letting go of perfectionism. Um, uh, A lot of it is being okay with not being in control of the situation. Mm. The best athletes in the world, like, regulate their days probably in, you know, the strictest half-hour chunks and caloric yeah. measurements. And so, you know, this, this, there's a massive tension. There's a huge tension between um, being an unbelievably high-performing person and mindfulness, particularly, and this is something that I've learned from, from a teacher of mine, uh, Mark McGrath, when we're not honest to the specialization. And that's to say that, you know, here's an example we would put the bodies of, say, AFL athletes on this pedestal of, like, these are the fittest, strongest, healthiest, like, most energetic people in the world, right? Right. And we'd say, like, this is what health looks like. It's sort of the experience of, say, watching sport or whatever. And it's like, you know, I know some of these AFL players well. You know, getting a surgery twice a year, you're not fucking healthy. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) Like... that's not health, like, having to eat, like, a, a semi-trailer worth of food a week because you're, yeah. you know, you're just yeah. 24-7 combusting. Like, AFL stars. The difference between peak
0: performance and peak health and, yeah, yeah.
1: the, the inherent like, tension between the two. It's like Joe's fucking, you know, hotted up Subaru that's just getting, like, flogged, you know. yeah. Yeah, and doing doing burnouts all the time, like mate, you fuck your car up like that, like. and like These are somewhat of <laughs> an
0: unrelated issues, but like looking at all the um XAFL now, but like ex-NFL players who are uh, concussed and have permanent brain damage. I think it was Deezer Williams who came out and said that um you know he was either a big advocate of it or had per- had personally felt that he um he had suffered permanent brain damage.
1: Well... So the point here is when an industry like the AFL industry starts to commentate and utilize something like mindfulness, we need to be remembering that mindfulness originates out of a spiritual context. So, you know, the point, the in my view, the, the deep lessons from mindfulness are not how you can utilize this stuff to win more shit, you know. It's about uh, how to actually, you know, get 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 out the way of, of what's all, what's always happening, you know, and, and and really, it's about your whole life and your whole happiness. It's not it's not about just winning at this one thing, mm. but but a skill, a skill, and a skill is different to you know. Again, it's about what the definition of mindfulness is. Some right. of the skills that we gain. Right, out of uh, m- certain meditation practices are very, very, very helpful for concentrating and for learning, and that that is um, that's just a fact now, and becoming more and more and more of a detailed, nuanced fact through you know this neuroscience research and. <laughs> Uh, the kind of techniques that are utilised in mindfulness and in meditation, and I think that's why it's making such a big difference. And I, and I, I also think that we're learning how to extract the benefits of, uh, like you know, sharing feelings, being vulnerable, and why that honesty. And sincerity in uh, collaborating makes such a dif- difference to, to how well teams teams go. So, you know that's and you know I've been I've been fortunate to uh, have a little bit of a perspective on this because you know I've been able to work with Mark for such a long time, and obviously he works with all the the AFL teams. Um, this is Mark Mark McGrath. Um, you should definitely uh, Google him. He's um, he's been a teacher and mentor of mine for. Three or four years now, um, we've collaborated on stuff. I've actually had the opportunity to to get, you know, players like Dyson Heppel and Dylan Sheil and Tom Mitchell to do <laughs> some silly things. All your, mates. Things. <laughs> <Yeah>. all your <laughs> best <don't>,
0: mates
1: now. Not <laughs> best mates, yeah, not quite, but <laughs> are, they are legends. But um, it's it's uh, it is interesting, you know, the, and and part of this is the lengths to which these boys and these football teams will go to get some tiny advantage. <laughs> and they're extract willing the to extra the,
0: percentage. Extract
1: yeah. that extra so percentage. They're willing
0: there. to go woo-woo. To
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're willing to get a bit whack. <laughs> to, go, to get to the top. <laughs> no, you know, and it's like, have a fucking tear. Like, we've got to just do what, like, you know, and, and, a, and a little bit becomes, <laughs> you know, it's like part of the problem and part of the reason why it's important to not, allow these kinds of performance industries to dominate and own the mindfulness thing yeah. is that they're hypocritical. Because ultimately, you know, yeah. Mark's the best you know, we could get Mark on this because that would be he's the best talk best person yeah. on this stuff. He's very intense, Mark. That but, would be that'd be awful. Awesome. <laughs> but if you look at if you look at the models of training that exist in sport, they ultimately derive themselves from militaristic models, right? Mm. And so, you know, this, I think there's a real assumption to these big performance institutions, which is that, um, people need to be flogged Mm. and you ultimately people are replaceable. And so Mm. if you compare the way that, uh, AFL players train, yeah, to the way more self-managed athletes train. Someone like Roger Federer or Novak Djokovic or whatever, you know, they just yeah. pick their own team. It's totally up to them how they how they run their program. You get, uh, you know, you get different sort of attitudes and 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 di- different considerations, and you know, the AFL is awesome. I love the AFL, but. The fact is so many of their players break down and get really injured. Yeah. And a lot of those players will have problems in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, in, and we're already seeing that they have problems with the, with their heads and stuff. So these people choose to specialise um, uh, in a way that compromises the rest of their lives. Now, it's because they've got some you – know, there's some – grand commitment they have to the sport, which is awesome. And I love the sport, but it's a specialization. And I just think as a society, we tend to become a bit obsessed with people's ability to be amazing at fucking kicking a ball over someone's head. But how balanced is the rest of their personality, the rest of their happiness, the rest of their groundedness, you know what I mean? And so, you know, mindfulness is going to help in those areas for sure. But it's it's actually probably about people learning to chill out, you know.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I wonder, um, when you're mentioning that, I wonder if you went back to like the 1970s and looked at the VFL players. just off that, like off the top of my head, you'd say that probably they those players were injured much less frequently than the players these days, yet those players were, you know, yeah, a full-time chippy they'd go to training at you know five o'clock on a Tuesday and Thursday night they definitely wouldn't have you know the same you know aerobic capacity the same strength as the players these days but they yet yeah, they went when it went injured as often
1: it's interesting well, yeah because you know it- there's thresholds. So, you know, th- the way that these, uh, these high performance people work is like, what's the absolute maximum I can get someone to sprint, run, whatever, every week for this many months before their hamstring tendon fucking snaps? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why do you think their tendons yeah. are snapping? Because, I mean, because yeah. they're being pushed. They've been pushed to ridiculous thresholds. But back then, what well, you probably trained twice a week after work you probably trained you trained in the evenings you played your one game your hamstring wasn't going to fucking snap like yeah
0: I mean to I guess play devil's advocate against your point it would be that It'd be nice if all these players could live like balanced, uh, zen out lives, but would they really? Would they really produce? You know, the quality of of, of no. footy that that we expect. No. So, no. That's, I understand that's your too- point that it's like you, you know you don't want them to monopolise mindfulness if it's you know contradictory with with what mindfulness is. Um yeah. But just I guess putting putting them in their context of the limitations of mindfulness you can use it as a tool but i don't i don't want i don't want patrick cripps to become a, some zen monk on the field wanting to be a fucking animal
1: <laughs> correct correct and we and we the masses have this thirst for and this crave for this particular specialization this, like, they're, they're, they're effectively gladiators mindset. they're gladiators yeah, exactly yeah we right. want yeah. fucking fuck that motherfucker mm-hmm. up yeah. like, like, like whoa he yeah. nearly died <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's like it's like that's yeah in my opinion it's what makes AFL the greatest sport in the world because to me it's it's the only team sport that's like it's it's so team sport. It's played in the best spirit in the world, and um, they're genuinely ferocious, and they're, they're real life gladiators with, yeah. with this really complicated sort of team team scoring game. So yeah, I like it's it's just uh, the, when they're getting gains out of this mindfulness and all this stuff. It's awesome. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited by it. You know, I, I've thought about potentially using uh, music and my study of music and my integration of, of, of music practice, playing music and mindfulness, which feels really obvious in the industry like music, using that as a way to um, workshop and, you know, Experience mindfulness in sport and sort of see if there's a crossover there and so you know i'm very very interested in this stuff, but I do think <laughs> uh, it's really really important to acknowledge that uh, that achievement very very often covers over pathology and like yeah. that's like a that's a markism, but this idea that just because you're succeeding in the specialization. It doesn't mean um, that it isn't coming at a cost. and
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there has to be a recognition of how the AFL's incentives are going to limit them in doing any of these social deeds. And, you know, because you and I, like, obviously talk a a lot about how, you know, the (laughs) AFL's great, it tries to promote social issues, but it'll only do so insofar as it won't hurt the bottom line it's a very cynical view but um you know it doesn't particularly do well and you know afl players have spoken about this uh, a lot of afl players i believe it's higher higher a higher proportion of afl players compared to the the australian public have gambling problems and gambling addictions but then you look at what drives a significant part of the afl's revenue uh the gambling industry—it's
1: more um, than significant. It's 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 an enormous driver. Well, and it's exactly pretty much. Right. It's, it's, yeah. You could you could argue it's the exclusive driver of uh, broadcast rights, rights yeah. deals, because yeah. during the during the period of time that TV revenue, TV advertising revenue, has declined in, in its in its fastest rate, mm. the games broadcast rights grew at their fastest rate. And it was like, mm-hmm. how is that possible? And it's because sports advertising, online yeah. gambling advertising, took over the entire yeah like I remember revenue seeing it really stream revenue stream for television yeah. companies. So like it's I, I, it's it's the link between AFL mm-hmm. becoming a bigger game and gambling in the sport is like those lines just run perfectly parallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and that's that's something where I'm always you, you know I. I want to be, I want to be optimistic about the AFL. It tries to do good. I think it does indigenous round, multicultural round. It seems to do a better job that's not purely tokenistic. I think, I think I can genuinely see what the AFL is trying to do. It genuinely tries to invest back in grassroots. And you could argue that that's going to benefit the sport long term. And so they would have to do that anyway. But then there are other things where I'm like, don't even bother you know, standing on your moral high horse to talk about things when (laughs) you're presiding over, you know. And, like, you know, I don't think it should be illegal to gamble. I don't think it should be illegal to take sponsorship from from gambling um, companies, but don't don't take that money and then at the same time, um, you know, spit your virtue onto everyone.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, it's a... It's this awkward tension. And I guess I'm, I'm especially disappointed with the gambling revenue side of the AFL because to me it seems like it's a failure to the advantages we've got as a sport not mm-hmm. being privatized and not being driven by shareholders. So, why right. does right so, the game? So
0: they've had to, they've had to seek out
1: revenue from, from those means. Well, they have, they, yeah, but right. Well, they, well, they haven't been pressured by, by like some huge like profit demands like no one gets a kickback i mean you get a kickback
0: yeah. yeah
1: as the game grows right so the afl is just a constitution right that has a has a board yeah um it isn't it, a, it'd be a commission. good to get an
0: anthon for all this i think he, yeah like, it
1: would be good to get an anthon but, he'd be but great the, on, a, yeah. the afl is just a, a commission and yeah. it's it's got like a constitution like a country right? yeah. no one owns it and no one's actually allowed to take out like a profit or a dividend from it yeah right you could you could argue that happens anyway, but with people's salaries who are involved in the a f l and all this stuff but the a f l is um yeah none of the and all the clubs operate in the same way where all of the clubs are owned by either the a f l or their members, so yeah. all these clubs have their own independent yeah. constitutions and we can mm-hmm. all vote and basically you know if if we, if 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 enough members all vote at the same time and want to fire everyone, they actually can right so they so, can uh, sorry. Have um, you ever
0: gone to a Don's at AEM? am? <laughs> I haven't. I, would be, probably be fun as I, uh, <laughs> my brother was telling stir me at the Carlton mine. Shit. Yeah, at, at the Carlton mine for the last like five years, there's always this one guy who goes, and he's uh, like the devil's advocate on everything. And I think they had to escort him out <laughs> last last year because he's just a menace. He just he just argues for the sake
1: of it. <laughs> uh, well. But so, but so then, then isn't it even more disappointing that scaling the game, getting everyone's salaries boosted in the game, getting an extra fucking, you know, 20% out of the players by having, you know, 100 yeah. physios on each team, growing yeah. the game has been, ultimately everyone's still been comfortable with it being on the back of gambling. It's just a bit, it's like we, like, you know, maybe the game should be a little bit smaller. It's just sport. Mm. Maybe everyone mm. should just pay it a little bit less. Yeah. And I, it's kept, and it's just, yeah. and, and we just say no, we say no to to the spoils of, you know, all these people who yeah. get trapped in gambling.
0: Yeah. I I mean, there's a part of me that's like, gambling can be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I remember that <laughs> night you came over, it would have been, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. You, you were convinced that you'd, you'd figured out the Brownlow wads and we're going to win us thousands and thousands of bucks I which didn't so come through beds. I actually had a dream they about that the other day that they we have to, uh, <laughs> to take it more seriously and actually get the models out and, and try and try to win some money but um, yeah, yeah there, there is there is fun in all of this the The line for me is when it just it overtakes everything you don't even have to notice that it's there to know that it's there so I just think there's something that has bothered me last you know three four weeks is and i mean this is probably like a really obvious point and it was slapping me in the face the whole time but when you do footy tipping and you can use like the afl website for that it it was fine for for so many years and the last three years i noticed that every time you went to tip it told you the odds maybe tipping is just some grand conspiracy to get everyone to start betting (laughs) because like tipping is a form of betting but it, it seemed tipping seemed more yes you win money at the end of the year but it seemed like it just got Made like magnified as to that the gambling industry is 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 fully behind tipping now, and you're like, oh, okay, it's it's, well, yeah, it's a it, great it's place for them it, to. It, it's encroached yeah, onto it's, everything, yeah,
1: everything, 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 and yeah. Did you see? I can't remember if it's if it, I think it's Bet Three Six Five. It's it's anyway. It's the biggest online sports betting agency in the world. And it's, it's it was originated out of the UK, yeah. And the the um, the CEO, her bonuses are in the like, oh, uh, it was something outrageous. It, I can't answer, surprise me. It would not surprise they, me at they, all. They've yeah. exploded and they've gone. They've, yeah. they've they've in the last five like last ten years, and in the last during COVID, they have just that people have been gambling on sports so much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So gambling sales, uh, I, I think here in here in Canada, alcohol sales went up fifty percent. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> so
1: all, all the fun I'm, stuff. I'm, I think it would be, you know, maybe I'm I'm naive, but I I actually think that if AFL, mm-hmm. and I would say generally the AFL players, you know, they, it could be a cooler culture. With, uh, with slightly less money. And it probably was a cooler culture when that there was is, less yeah. money in the game. You know, yeah. I reckon – Yeah. Interesting point. Know, and, you know, it's like sometimes when there's that much money in it, everyone starts to become a bit of a fuckwit. Um, yeah. Well, to like, bring you know, it <clears> throat> It's throat> throat> like you're not actually – you're not actually like a doctor or whatever. And AFL, yeah. you know, probably one of the coolest things about it is it actually is limited to like Melbourne, fucking South Australia and – you know, WA, like, and yeah. like no one, Sydney sort of gives a shit a bit, but like, it's not, there's not that many people actually follow it. So, you know, it doesn't need to pretend like it's the NBA or something full of yeah. cash, you know? It's not, be, gonna, it's not going to, it's not
0: going to export globally. Like it's not, it's not ever going to be, you know, something
1: other than what it's been for the last 150 years yeah i can't imagine it actually being able to work it's too difficult it's you need an enormous amount of space and there are too many sports like it's such a competitive
0: (laughs) market space Um, yeah uh yeah i i've difficulty following all the sports here you you know you got hockey you got baseball you got basketball you got American football um Canadian football people it's like a you know a, a short and a hybrid version of of American football it's just right. sports such a competitive space um but just going back to what you were saying before about um James heard this kind of brings us back full circle and you know to the Essendon drug scandal and you know there was a lot of finger wagging on you know performance enhancing drugs no good um, there was the, you know, the allusion to recreational drugs, no good. Wasn't it one of those St. Kilda plays, like, two years after that, got banned for a year for taking a no Who was that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just, like, this really strict, almost puritanical stance. I mean, yeah, I mean, people shouldn't be doping and getting hit an edge over people, but, like, I felt like that was just drenched in the, you know, societal Condemnation of drug taking, and it was untethered to, like, a lot of the chat was untethered to actual performance enhancing, but it was just this finger wagging on drug usage. And that's something that, you know, the AFL just hasn't touched. Is, no. you know, well, it's been... looking at drug addiction within their players, which, again, I think it's 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 fairly proportional, probably much higher than the average person. I'm um, sorry, uh, the the average population, but just not touching that, not. Dabbling into mental health. If a player three strikes, they're booted. Um, Carlton had a few players in the early noughties, like early draft picks, uh, completely booted. No lifeline. No support offered to drug addiction. No, no, no. Uh, you know, bravery to step into that to that social topic. No bravery to step into gambling addiction and but yet somehow we have to hold the a in this high regard as this like you know progressive organization,
1: yeah, that was pretty ruthless um yeah well i I think ultimately you have to acknowledge that it's very it's it's very functional propaganda for corporate interests to have um, the association with all the football clubs. People really love sport, particularly yeah. Australia is obscenely obsessed with sport. Per capita, it's – and Melbourne per capita is the most intense sport-obsessed place on earth, you know. And it's probably also per capita one of the most yeah. competitive sporting markets in the world, and it's per, per capita. Yeah. The – AFL in Melbourne per capita is the most yeah. followed sport by any city in the world. Like it's yeah. it's obsessed, and so and so by being by it's being what, <coughs>
0: it's what I, it's, it's what I think most people love about it. Like, don't well, yeah. get me I mean, wrong. It's, like it's it's yeah.
1: it's unreal. But it, what, what's really interesting is that you know they, they, they you know in the fucking seventies they were getting hundreds and thousands of people to go to games. It wasn't like yeah, it wasn't like the attendance and stuff and people's obsession with football. Has actually probably increased that much. Mm. It's probably the amount of corporate money that gets put into it now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because you, we, we, you were getting hundreds, of thousands of people at the MCG in the sixties and seventies and eighties. Yeah, like, it's I mean, already. It is, yeah, it's par for the course,
0: right? Like, I, I don't think. I like, I like the sentiment that it could be cooler. It could, be, it could do different things differently if it didn't have so much money into it. But yeah, I, yeah, that's 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 not going to happen, right? At this point, it's only right. It, it's only no, going well, go in one direction,
1: but it's still but it still is interesting that you know. I mean, the AFL Commission c- could, yeah, they could. Uh, let's see how woke they, you know, because of course this is the thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, as the world as the world becomes woke, it's like really what's happening is how woke can everyone get. Without it needing to cost them any money, that's right? exactly right. Yeah, it's like what's what's what's, aligning, what's like what's all the way all this, woke till yeah, it pay, you know till it uh, costs aligning <laughs> yeah. aligning
0: grassroots yeah. activism with uh, corporate bottom yeah. lines. Yeah,
1: yeah, like they'll ban they'll ban yeah. some twelve year old you know f- from ever coming to the football again for you know calling someone an, an ape or something. But yeah, you know, they don't they don't mind while there's like a whole le- generation of high school boys all uh, gambling addicts. Ugh. You know, right. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. You know, fuck yeah. You know. I'm, I'm Andrew Demetrio, you know, and I'm going to leave the AFL and work for a really reputable guy <laughs> called, uh, you know, fucking James Packer, and get yeah, uh, <clears throat> work work for the casino companies, you know. Yeah. Andrew Demetrio, fuck off. Yeah. You know? I mean, this, this is the point, though. It's like you know, it's like. I'm, I'm so glad I've said all these controversial things about the <laughs> AFL now. Um, but, yeah, like, don't want to be a, a super massive conspiracy theorist about it all, but in my opinion, um, people are interested in utilising sport and these important cultural assets to exploit um, whatever interest they've got. But, Rob, I reckon it'd be cool, just on this mindfulness thing, right? I'm going to say one more thing about this, which is that, if we pull apart those skills that are making us a good crossover into afl these are good skills that everyone can use for whatever they want to do right mm-hmm. and so a great one a great one that um is good for beginners in mindfulness is any kind of body scan meditation so that's a meditation where some sort of guide uh, some sort of script is leading you through to concentrating on different parts of your body and you're not mm. moving and you're resting. It's also You can also do this in a practice called y- Yoga Nidra. Now, these practices make perfect sense for why um, AFL players respond well to them and they're basically enhancing the connection between the brain and those and, and, and your muscles and your joints and all these different parts of your body. So your ability to feel them and concentrate with them and um, it can help all, probably loads of posture, stability yeah. and yeah. coordination and stuff. And that's just, you know, you, there would be AFL players who haven't thought a single bit about um, having an achievement focus in life and um, and seriously comprehended anything outside of just being the best player they can be and will literally right. just run head, run head first into fucking into a brick wall to become an AFL player. But yeah, they've started doing a body scan meditation and now they're doing mindfulness, you know. And it's like that, it's like that's a great technique, right? Yeah, but that's not actually a philosophy and it's not, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not in a big way letting ones one go to experience you know and yeah. so yeah so you know the afl it likes making cash it likes doing well it likes um, and everyone involved in it generally is obsessed with achieving within a militaristic framework you know? mm. so it's uh, it's an awesome thing i love the sport we could probably talk about mindfulness again because i think it, i think it is interesting thing to talk about because i think you know there's there's all there's all the techniques and stuff involved Yeah, there's also, also related you know, issues
0: of mindfulness becoming a staple for your smartphone now and and you know, the <laughs> the complete the billions of dollars is um obviously sam harris has his app but there's calm which i believe has now like a you know multi multi billion dollar valuation has just made you know all these all these investors super rich and i I've, I've nothing against that but like yeah i think i think there'd be an interesting discussion over exactly exactly what that's doing
1: it seems to me that the worship of objects and consumerism accumulation this this mindset is pretty oppositional inherently to mm. I think the the deep explorations of, of what mindfulness yeah. ought to set up for you
0: this is where I'm, I'm sensing Jules for the first time is making some type of pro cultural appropriation argument <laughs> through pro a different lens appropri- uh, 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 as in as in uh, you know the idea that spirituality shouldn't be appropriated for different means
1: well, yeah, but I mean, I'm not basing that on. Uh, it's not being divided up by someone's like original ethnicity or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's being. It's, yeah. I mean, it's like I give you a great example. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Let's just dive so, in. <laughs> so Paul, Paul, Paul McCartney and and John Lennon, they didn't. They got fu- They got they got rolled by their their early manager. And yeah. didn't get, didn't own uh, any of the early songs they'd they'd written, mm. and so a great track that John Lennon wrote, you say you want a revolution, mm-hmm. where else you know, right,
0: yeah, awesome
1: yeah. song. <laughs> now, um, they tried, they were constantly, they were constantly in courts, the Beatles, trying to get back the the songs that they they'd written, and cause it would drive them mad because. You know, John Lennon actually wrote that song about revolution and uprising, and then yeah. it's about and then Nike would use it to like sell shoes. And the song's actually <laughs> yeah. the song. The song's about how we've got to stop, like, wanting to buy things, <laughs> and, start, and like like the opposite meaning. And still yeah. to this day, you get, the Beatles songs are constantly used to make people buy shit. And everyone yeah. in that band, fucking hates hated all that shit. Yeah. So and has has constantly tried to get their songs back. And it's like you know, it it's it's um the i f- there would be all these monks, right? And mm-hmm. all these important spiritual teachers that would see, you know, someone making good cash in their consulting job, uh, you know, doing their two fucking meditations a day, you know, in between the sauna and yoga and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. You know. And then, like having just tons of cash and doing real well, and, <laughs> and just you know, like they'd be like, hasn't hasn't this grand? Isn't this isn't this insight of being able to det- detach oneself from the limitations of identity? Yeah, hasn't that spurred you on to do some a little bit more cool yeah. shit? you know, yeah, maybe help it, the world a little yeah. bit. I don't know. I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's I'm, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I, I'm probably uh, yeah. in the position to to you know to to gloat too much about my my grand achievements and <laughs> making the world a better place but it it ought to be unsettling if you're doing fucking jack yeah. shit I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean,
0: yeah yeah it's interesting I mean probably these people are uh, you know you know on the one hand salty about it but you know in the long run these people who are you know buying Rolls Royces who was the, the bug one um you know buying a rolls royce and you know you have a endless an endless list of of um, of gurus who have just misappropriated funds and um put it straight into the um into the bank balance but these people won't be remembered for you know their meditation practice their thoughts on meditation i think ultimately ultimately you'll go back to the gurus who were who were living consistently with with the ideology you no know? so like ultimately the 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 you know the more authentic will will win out i i guess look, I,
1: I've been a little bit that's harsh my take. yeah yeah for sure I I, I I i've been a little bit harsh i can refine this a little bit there's two parts. The first part is, and this can sometimes take a while to, to think about, which is if you're approaching meditation from the perspective of what can I exploit from this? What benefit can I gain from this? How can, how can this help me? Mm-hmm. That can be very problematic to learning the practice well. And it's it's counterintuitive. You think like, oh, but you know, when I exercise, I exercise every day, it starts to make me feel better. Isn't that isn't that isn't you know, why can't why can't meditation practice because a lot of the time the reason why meditation might be really helpful for you is because you're constantly looking to see what you can exploit out of life instead of just letting Mm -hmm. life just sit there and be still. So and what I'm saying is there's a connection between this constant need to exploit Experience and consumerism, mm-hmm. and this idea of worshiping, accumulating money and wealth, and, yeah. and and a lot of the time, objects that start to have a very diminishing return, return on on, on the quality of the experience, but you go after them anyway, and and also the the kind of reward circuits that exist from from overvaluing one's ego, you know, yeah. and th- these and these are and so if mindfulness becomes kind of detached from. Ego and from uh, experience and consciousness, then I think, uh, with what we're what we're actually talking about is a skill, you know, and 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 it's these isolated skills out of this branch of. Of, of, of a much more holistic experience, you know, which you could call mindfulness or meditation, you know. So yoga nidra or a body scan, that's a skill. Learning to tune into your breath and breathe better, that's a skill. Learning how to do yoga is a skill. Learning how to have good posture is, a, is, is ultimately, it's, it's a skill learning how to regulate one's attention, how to relax, how to turn on and off, how to regulate how elevated you feel or how calm you feel, getting yourself to sleep, getting the mind to quieten down before you sleep. All these things, they're just skills, right? And so they don't, so, um, and look at how many <laughs> amazing skills come out of this spiritual tradition. I think it would be silly for someone who sees a lot of benefit in all of these skills not to then question their origins and the purposefulness behind these kinds of practices, you know? So that's, that's, and you know, if we detach that, we probably set people up to not get as much out of, out of, out of these skills. But yeah, that's, that's my thing on it.
0: And with that, this podcast has just become a turned in, turned from a political current affairs podcast into a health and wellness. Tune in next, <laughs> Tune in next week for a guided meditation from Jules. Well, I think we'll leave it for there, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Go Bombers.
1: I think they're all insane.
0: And one final thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word and let your friends and family know about it. And also, if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and notification bell. See you next time.